So full energy from bed right here Cause they're my enemies Subscribing like Rate and review Your own subs are they be Couple gets two We're gonna win the trophy When overdue Can we do the double Make it deja vu It's a move on the ting Girl by the Sony on the wing Harry's one of her own Back in the ling It's only got money But let's see the king And we got Delhi Ali That's talking With the shell side With the shell side With the shell side What we see With the shell side With the shell side Hello and welcome to the Shelf Side Podcast, episode 17. Hi, Kwabna, how are you doing? I'm cool, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I just want to welcome all our new listeners this week and welcome our regular listeners. Thank you for staying with us. And apologies, we're not dropping every week as per normal. We've left it a few days extra, but you know what? It seems to always coincide with a transfer these days. So actually, so we're think, doing you a lot of favour. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because actually, do you know what? Do you know what the those two um, those two transfer windows where we signed no one? Do you know what they have in common? What's that? We weren't recording the Shellside podcast. See, so it's us, yeah. We are bringing the transfers. I don't want to say I don't take full credit for it, but I'm also not going to deny. <laughs> but good signing by all accounts. I think the fan base seem to be happy with Matt Doherty. I've got reservations about that, and I'm going to take off my. I'm going to get off my chest right now. Go for it. Everyone's talking to me about how he's great in the final third. He popped up with goals. He's a goal-scoring fullback. I know what you're going to say. Go on. We're trying to get rid of our current fullback because he doesn't defend. <laughs> not because he's not bad at attack. No, Last season... He doesn't defend. Okay. He does defend he's, he's badly. A, he, he, he defends very badly. Last season, even his crossing stats weren't actually great. I think 85% of the time he failed to beat the first man. Fine. But we attacked so much through him. This idea of us signing an attacking right back is confusing to me. Why are we excited about that? Tell, show me a guy who can defend first and foremost. Listen, the jury's out. I can't say I I can't say I watched him very closely at Wolves. I'm not going to lie to anyone, but what I will say is I'm not filled with confidence at the prospect of a defender. People are raving about his attacking prowess. <laughs> I need you to I need you to show up this defence, mate. That's what I need you to come here and do. So I fully get it on paper. If you look at it, yeah, he's played wing back because obviously Wolves played with Jota, um, Jota on one side. Oh, sorry, Johnny on one side, and. Uh, Doherty on the other side and they were high and I think what people like about him he's composed he doesn't cross the ball as much as Aurier he's more involved in the play he does one twos and when he's in and around the box he has composure he scores goals um, good in the air um, scores a lot of difficult chances and is a threat but he also defends his um, well on the back post uh, when he's in his own half in his own box what I think we're going to have a problem with is, yeah, this lopsided defence, if that's what we're playing. And we become predictable uh, with this, always going down the right-hand side. Always. And always, always, always. So I'm going to be intrigued to see what the plan is. If it is just swap him out, Aurier, and swap him in, then, yeah, it's going to be problematic. I agree with you there, it will be problematic. But... One thing I will say is he has played left back, he has played right back, and he has played right midfield. He does look a bit more composed in under pressure 
than your main man, Sergio Rie. My main man, no. I think the list of people you're attributing to being like my main guys is very worrying. It's very worrying. I seem to be matching this uh, this group of very dodgy, dodgy guys to be aligned with, and I'm not happy about it at all. I just remember one pod you defending him, his crossing, the fact he's had seven assists for us or something. But you didn't, I don't think you were aware of his crossing stats at that point. You know what, I'm not even going to be goaded into another retraction situation. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'll dig it up. I'll dig it I'm up. Gonna, nah, I'm going to rise above it. I'm going to rise above it. <laughs> Can I shout some of the new cities before please I forget? Do, please do, please do, please do. Last week. So, um, I think I saw LA... And I believe we may have had LA before. Maybe I weren't looking at new cities then, but we definitely had LA in the last couple of weeks. So to our listeners in LA, thank you. To our listeners in Lagos, thank you. And I think it's Karikev. Did I shout out before? Ukraine? No, I don't think you did. Well, thank you to you guys. So all new listeners are welcome. Um, Kwabna will tell you at the end of the pod to give someone the gift of the pod. I like it, so I just thought I'd say it again. So please pass on the pod. Give someone the gift. For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. So yes, yeah, so we spoke about um, Doherty like very briefly. Um, I think it's also be good to discuss the prospects of Josh King. So we originally had been linked heavily with Callum Wilson. It seems like we've now been linked with. Um, Josh King, we're in talks with him. It seems to be getting quite serious. I mean, with Spurs, until I see you holding the shirt, I don't get, I don't get too uh, too excited. I think it would be nice for Kane to have some competition. It's interesting though because he's the same age bracket, if not a little older. I would like someone younger, but um, to be honest, I want someone who we can trust to put in that position instead of Kane. To allow like other other guys to do what they do best, like so when Kane is out, we can still have Son coming in from the wing. We don't have Mora having to fight for like you know headers when he's like <laughs> five for nothing. So I think it's a good prospect. What do you think about it? So I think I called Josh King. I think I called him in one of our previous pods, and so for me it makes sense it makes sense more than Callum Wilson only because I think Callum Wilson would expect to play more so he's got the Euros next year he's broken into the England side he will cost us more Callum Wilson as well Josh King has got a year left on his um, contract um, so and obviously they're in the championship so they will want to sell I think Josh King's a little bit quicker I think Josh King can also is a bit more versatile so he will play on the right, or sorry, on the left, as well as up top. So I think Callum Wilson will find it harder to break into the side if Kane's not being rotated as much. So I think from those, for those reasons, I think it's a bet, better deal for us, better signing, cheaper. Uh, obviously, the ages are not what you want to see, but I think we've got to be honest with ourselves. It's probably the hardest position to fill right now, to buy somebody to say, mate, we want you to play up front. However, we've got Harry Kane and he doesn't like to even come off when he scored a hat-trick and there's three minutes left in the game. I feel like, I feel like that's going to be the hardest thing. And I, and I think that he needs to understand for the longevity of his own career, this is essential. It's essential. Because if you score three game, goals in one game and then you get injured and you're out for six months, like what, what have you really achieved? Yeah. 
Where you, like this idea that oh, Harry Kane doesn't like coming off. I don't give a flying fuck, mate. If you don't like coming off, look, Messi hates coming off. I've heard this a million times. I've heard this about how Messi doesn't like coming off, blah, blah. The difference between Messi and Kane is availability. Like, Kane inevitably misses 10 to 15 games every season. That's what it feels yep. like, right? You're a signal player. Yeah, well, exactly. Signal. Whereas, um, whereas Messi, yeah, he doesn't like coming off, but he also plays every single game and rarely gets injured. So, you know, yes, yeah. he plays in a different kind of league. Yes, it's not it's not as um, difficult for it's not it's not as like physical as the Premier League, but all of those things just just contribute to the idea that actually you should probably learn to take a break. Yeah, definitely, and yeah, just adding to that point, uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the preseason games, uh, but Mourinho's employed a high press um, for a lot of those games, and if that's going to be the way we play next season. That means Kane can't just jog along as he does up front and let the others do the running. He's going to be involved. And obviously that's going to be more wear and tear. And we've already cited the fact that there could be up to 60 games or more Kane plays next season, given the internationals, given the Europeans at the end of the year. So I think Kane in his head after his last injury will realise that he needs to rotate more. And getting someone... Backup striker, we've all been calling it. Someone like Josh King who can play at least two positions. Uh, I think it's good. I think it'll be really good. I'm excited with that. And it gives two years, us two or three years, and it gives two or three years for Parrot to come into it as well. So I'm happy with that. Yes, uh, hopefully. He's, he's doing all right for um, for the friendly games. I think he's got two goals in two games, Parrot. Yeah, so right. yeah. that's, not, that's not bad. It's not bad. No, just, he's got to find yeah. his feet. I think it'll be all right. That's it. I want. I just want minutes, man. I just want to get the minutes. Indeed, indeed. So I think it's. I think it's cool. Um, I mean, if it is Callum Wilson and not Josh King, it would still be cool. But I think uh, Josh King has more versatility and probably be the one because he will be cheaper. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm just happy to have someone like with pace in the lineup who can attack certain areas. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah, and he's got physicality. He's got an eye for goal. I think he's a bit like Son, um, scores in bunches. Uh, but I think he'll always be a threat and probably get more chances in our side going forward than he probably did in the Bournemouth side. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so that's a quick roundup of our recent activity. Um, and as things kind of buzz around and the season's coming around thick and fast, we thought it'd be interesting to take a look at what we are kind of expecting slash wanting from our squad next season but rather than talk about what we need what needs to change blah blah thought we kind of like sum it up in a in three questions so what we're going to do is both andrew and i have looked at the looked at these these three questions and have come up with a player for each so three questions are who's gonna be our most important player next season and why which player is in most need of having a good season like who really needs to turn things around or who really needs to put in a top performance or who needs to have a consistent record, whatever that might be, however you might define it, cool. And then which player is most likely to surprise? So being a gentleman that I am, I'm going to go first. <laughs> uh, go first, that's right. Yeah, I'm going to go first. Uh, now, but for I think, so we're going to start off with which player is going to be the most important next season. And for me... The most Give it some context. Give it some context. For me, for me, the most important player is a player who's going to be able to take us to a place we 
haven't been for a while. And that's why I'm not talking about Harry Kane, because whether Harry like doesn't matter who's around him, Harry Kane seems to score goals. So yeah, I'm not concerned yeah. about that. Right? And I don't think I'm gonna choose someone like Son Ivar because he's pretty consistent himself. For the past for the past maybe four seasons, he's finished double digit goals, double digit assists. More than fifteen goals and more than ten assists in each one of the seasons, right? So since he's been a a first team regular, those have been the stats. I don't worry about him, and whether we whether we finish sixth or whether we finish second, we get second. goals from them from the two of them, right? Obviously, you need your you need your keeper to be reliable. You need him to be loyal, um, like reliable, influential, right? I think we're going to get that from the reach. So I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm actually going for a new guy. I'm going for Hoybjerg. And the reason okay. I think he's going to be our most important player next season is his inclusion in our team. Yes, we've needed a defensive midfielder for a very long time. Yes, we need a ball winner. We need someone who's going to put us on the front foot or be able to turn possession back over to us very quickly. And he does that. But ultimately, the biggest reason I'm including him is because I think he has the potential to unlock Ndombele, who is arguably... Are uh, ace in the pack. Now, Nomele has been had a much maligned first season. We've been over it. I don't want to start going over Deadwood. I was going to say, don't make it about Nomele. Yeah, it's not about, it's about him. Yeah, yeah, it's not about him. What is it about is someone coming in with the tactical nous, with the discipline, with the bite, which means that our most creative players can create. Like, it's not so much about, it's not only about Shoring up the defence and protecting them because he'll do that and he'll do that really well, all right. And I think as being a Mourinho team now, I think gradually we're going to become better defensively. I think that's inevitable, right? It will come with a certain sacrifice to the way we play, but if you have a place a player like Hoiberg, it means that you can actually still attack with some level of potency without having to become just a hundred percent a defensive team. That's the way the difference is made. If he sets the platform, he's the reason why the defence can feel comfortable in defending the way they want to, what the way they want to means that we can actually also at times defend on the front foot. He's someone who goes and seeks out danger. He doesn't wait for it to come through. He's proactive, not reactive. And that changes the way you play. It changes the way you approach possession football. And it also changes the way you you kind of spring counter-attacks. So that's why I think he's going to be our most important player next season. Yeah, I think Hoibier, well, it's the signing that we've bear marked for a long time. So I fully get your points. The only thing I would say on Hoibier is having watched him a bit more closely, and rewatched a few of his games. He's not actually a DM in the true sense of the word. He doesn't sit and protect the back four. He doesn't do, say, what a Kante does or what a Dyer used to do. You touched on it there when you said he seeks out danger. He does press. I think his stat that everyone kept on raving about when we signed him was for ball recoveries in the opposition's third final third. Um, so I think he's employed higher at times than we probably thought. And I think he's more boxed or can be box to box in the preseason matches. He has been our most furthest forward player at times. And he's played with, I think Harvey White yesterday and yeah, he did play. Harvey, right, yeah. yeah. Somebody else Winks hasn't been there. Um, I think Sissoko and somebody else. I can't remember the first game. 
we played against Ipswich, who he played with. But he's played more advanced or got forward a bit more. I think the first goal we scored against Ipswich, it was down to his high pressing and ball recovery that allowed Son to find Delhi, uh, Delhi to find Son to net the first goal. So it'll be interesting the combination with him if it is Lo Celso and Dombele. Does he sit more, or will Dombele be expected to do a bit of both? So I'm intrigued. Obviously, Dombele's not been around, and this is not about Dombele, but I think apparently he's got COVID at the moment. So we wish him well, but we haven't seen him in preseason, so I don't know if that is a worry in itself. But yeah, certainly, Hobier will be a player to watch. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think I I I think I, I agree with the majority of that. I think, yeah, that I think it, there's a chance, and I think it's also risky with Lacelso, and hopefully in the melee. I think Hobier can't really be the box to box player he perhaps was at times at Southampton, and he doesn't need to be, right? I think his role will change. Uh, and and that's yeah. the, that's the that's the kind of key for me. But what's your who's your most important player for next season? You are going to absolutely love this, right? There's no denying this Cyberquadna. Like, so don't get out of your box when I say his name. He's your favourite player. This is your true. Ah, uh, you know what? Player. You know what? Let's just shut this whole thing off. <laughs> this guy is going to be the most important. Eric Dyer. Yeah. Yo, 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 what? Why? Go on, tell me why. Tell me why. But we why? Really, we've really got two good centre backs. Why? Why do? Why do we need him to be our most important? Are you, he's not even going to start. Don't learn. You do not learn, do you? You do not learn. Last season, you were like Eric Dyer is not going to play. What happened? Eric Dyer played. Do you remember that retraction? Listen. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I do. I do. I do remember. Right? Yeah. Eric Dyer played. Eric Dyer played, he played, he played, he played. You called it. He was playing because of his ban, right? Remember, his last game was the horrible Sheffield United defeat. And he ended up um, retaining his place after Toby came back in. And we were unbeaten from that moment onwards to the end of the season. Last game of the season, Dyer came in for Sanchez. Yes, we probably didn't need his pace. But why drop Sanchez if he was playing well, which he was? You drop him because Dyer's your number one. And let me explain a bit more from what I've understood about the situation with Dyer, right? I touched on this before and you didn't believe me, but I think it, you'll believe me now. We've seen footage of the Amazon um, documentary that you said you won't watch, but you will watch because we, we've got to talk about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> come out recently. Oh, and in that... Um, I think the guys and the athletic and I think the guys at the standard have had a chance to look at it and they've commented and said that one of the three people that Marino made the beeline for um, trying to speak to and win over when he came in were Kane, Ali and Dyer, right? And we know he's tried to sign Dyer before, right? Those two things are facts. The other thing that's fact is that Dyer speaks Portuguese. 
his native tongue. And it's not as if Marino doesn't speak English very well. Of course, he's got a very good command of the English language. Um, but it's no coincidence that the two Portuguese-speaking players seem to be integral to what he's trying to do, right? We all want Bergwijn in the side. A lot of people have been on to Lucas. He's changed Lucas into the best defensive attacking winger in the world right now. And he fits and the system. Ludicrous title. All right. Did you say a ludicrous title? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lucidus. I can't, no, I can't fit his nah, name in there. Nah, no, no, you're shameless. <laughs> didn't work, did it? You are shameless. <laughs> I tried this thing, I tried this thing. No, no, fair but enough, fair he, enough. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Think about this as well. So, that being said, all of that being said, right, he's got Dyer in his side. You didn't think he should be playing centre-back. We had Toby there, he played. So, all of these things are fact. Also, what's fact is... Remember when he got substituted after 30 minutes against West Ham, right? Mourinho actually publicly apologised and said it wasn't about Dyer. It was about his formation. He got it wrong. But when Tongi got substituted at half-time, he stuck Tongi under the bus, right? So there's a big difference there in a player I want, a player I really like, admire, and I need to keep on side. And... That's what he showed there. And if you think that's an overstatement, then think about this. A player, after an FA Cup defeat, goes into the stand to confront a fan, right, risking a very long ban, which he got in the end. And what did um, Mourinho do? Mourinho defended him and said it's family and I would have done the same thing and then tried to switch it and blame Gwenduzi, not blame Gwenduzi, but spoke of the Gwenduzi thing and saying, well, if he didn't get banned, then Dyer shouldn't get banned. Listen, he got a four-game ban. There's no doubt. Huh? There's no doubt that Mourinho has his favourite. But I also think that him going to speak to those guys is a strategic move because he was looking at the big characters in the dressing room and there's no doubt that those guys were well, this is what I'm coming on to. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm going to come on to that. Sorry to cut you. But you've got those things there, right? And he defended his actions. He didn't drop him, didn't fine him, nothing. So he needed to keep him. But he's played every game under Marino where he's been available um, since the restart. He's played very good. I think we can agree that he's played good. He is a tall player. He's a commanding presence. Um, he's good in the air, he speaks a lot. I didn't realise how much he speaks. If you've been watching any of those preseason games where there's absolutely no piped-in sound, no nothing, he speaks the most, the absolute most. He's the biggest leader of the back line there is that we've got. He was speaking to Toby. He was speaking to young Sirkin, saying, don't worry, son. Don't worry, Dennis. Make it up, Dennis. Make it up, Dennis. Speaking to Serge. He was giving instructions left, right, and center. He is a born leader. He is Mourinho's leader in the defense. And if he plays anywhere to his... Don't roll your eyes. Don't roll your eyes. <laughs> if he plays anywhere near to his potential then we will have a great season because it means everything starts with the defence, especially under Mourinho platforms and systems. If he plays for his potential, we will stand a chance. And that is why Eric Dyer is the most important player Absolutely. for us next season. Do you know what? We're, we're pressed for time. I'm not even going to, enter, I'm not even going to entertain that, that, that. Because I, do you know what? You made valid points, right? You made valid points. But our season isn't going to... 
unless there's a significant injury in our back line, our, in- our season is going to hinge on how he plays. That's my thing. Like you, you are right about everything you said. Having a coach on the pitch who can who can take those instructions and deliver them astutely. Having the presence of mind, his leadership. He's 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 arguably the heart and soul of Tottenham, right? So, and when I say heart and soul, because some people might be rolling their eyes away. I I've, I probably would do to myself if I was watching right now. But the idea is that he's someone who understands what it is to be Tottenham. He he embodies it. He's very passionate about the club, all that kind of stuff. So that's what I mean by the emotional heartbeat of, of Tottenham. I think that's what it is. I think a lot of a lot of our other players who are fairly like stoic. Look, Harry Kane's obviously a massive Tottenham guy, right? And, you know, he's obviously very animated when he scores and stuff. But apart from that, he's a model professional who just goes about business. Diet wears his heart in his sleeve. All of that stuff is admirable. But his performance isn't going to be the reason we we finish in the top four or not. It's, he's not that pivotal. His he attributes is. 100% is. Think about this. We, who did we speak about on the air, off the air before we came on? Can't oh, Defensive Player of the Year nominee basketball. Oh right! Right. Oh yeah! Fine! 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 fine. Well, you said you said Marcus Smart was a nominee. I didn't say he was a nominee. You said he should have been a nominee. That those are your words. But yes, okay, fine. But I I agree the sentiment for sure. I do. Important player. If we keep clean sheets, we're going to need to keep clean sheets in order to win something. Agree on that? Yeah. All right. In order to keep clean sheets, you need decent defenders and you don't need the best defenders in the world but you need a system you need a system that works and everyone's speaking and giving instructions and listening and there's no bigger voice than Eric Dyer that's all I'm saying yeah I'm going to leave it at that and okay. wait for your retraction halfway through the season <laughs> you wish alright so the next player is who do we think is most in need of a big season now I'm still very much torn on who I'm going to choose. And I feel like cheating and doing both. No, 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 no cheating. You won't let me have a cheat, so no cheating. You know what, fine, fair enough. I think he's most in need of a big season. Is, I'm going to go with Ali. Now, this is probably a little bit predictable because as our team has shaped up, it's been difficult to see the role he's going to play. We've spoken about the Ram Dota role before about someone who popped up in the pockets of space, makes a difference the same way Thomas Muller does, and having a tactical astuteness. Now, that tactical astuteness was very prevalent in the days of Pochettino. This is a different team, a different style of playing, right? So we need to understand if Ali really gets and understands what his role is in his team and if he can execute it to perfection. He's getting to the age now where he's really got to solidify his position. He's been through the stage where he was a very good young player. He was making waves. He was scoring goals. He was having impact in games. And he was scoring big goals in big games, right? Ali's never shied away from the big moment. Injuries meant that he's played, like, a vastly reduced amount of goals. His influence has waned significantly. That all seemed to change when Mourinho first came and he had all the players available. As Ali got injured... And the other players came back. He found a way to play without him. Now, I think even the most hardened Ali fans would struggle to convince anyone of where he fits naturally in this team. And he's also not good enough for the team to be built around him. I think it's really important that Ali finds a way, and I think Mourinho is obviously very responsible for this as well, to get the most out of him, find a way to bring his impacts 
to the fore. I actually wouldn't mind if Delhi was uh, recreated as a as a striker. The same way Portins went from striker to midfielder, I would not be mad at the at an experiment in which we try to turn him into a second striker. I've got no problem with that. I just want to. I just think that he's got bags and bags of ability and class, and he's of all the players on our team, he's got the ability to do something that no one else can see. Not that anyone else can do, but no one else can see, and that's really important. That bit of magic that we've always spoke about at Tottenham, we're like, oh, we, every top Tottenham side has always had someone who can pull something out of nothing. That bit of magic, that maverick behaviour. You can go back to the Gazers and the Ginolas, like, you know, the Hoddles, whoever. Somebody can produce something a bit, a bit off-key, something a bit strange, something a bit magical. He's, he's done it. He's done it against Chelsea. He's done exactly that against Chelsea. He's done exactly that against Arsenal. He's done exactly that against United. He's done exactly that in the big games. He's done those things. Okay, so, Real Madrid, he's done it. Exactly, he's done it. So for me, that's why he needs to have a big, big season. I mean, you've gone for slightly two obvious ones in Hoybier and Delhi. Um, you lied to me, but um, I'll take it. You didn't tell me you were going for Delhi, but it's all right. I'm giving away trade secrets. I think I let, I let you know. I let you know there were two up for there were two up for um, <laughs> for debate, and I still had them in my mind up. You know, that's what I said. So in fact, okay. I didn't lie to you. I didn't lie. Told you the truth. <laughs> I think you lied to me. I'm sure we've got it recorded somewhere, but it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think Delhi was would have been one I would have chosen. I think there are a lot of things there that are important that you mentioned. I think the way he burst onto the scene, uh, the low he ha- he's had over the last couple of years, and his age are the key factors. And and the fact that he's had a few um, off-the-field issues and scenarios. They're not all his doing, but I, I guess he could have helped himself a bit better. But I actually think... I'm going to cut the back pedal. I think what I've seen of Ali, um, Ali last season, he still produced moments of magic, some of which we've called out on the pod before, a couple of weeks ago. I think he also has the work rate to allow him to probably play in the more advanced role in midfield if we're playing a free, um, and the ability to get goals. Because when I look at our midfield free, the potential midfield free, there aren't many goals in it. Um, and I think he could also play in one of the positions wide of Kane in the free up front. It's not natural, admittedly, um, but I think he could come in from one of those positions and play as an unorthodox, more inverted right or left-sided player. I think he's clever enough. I think he needs to be given that role. And I think in order for us to flourish, I think Ali's going to play a part in that because of his goals and his unpredictability. So I think he needs to do it. There's Euros next year, and I think he'll be up for it. I think he will feel disrespected that he's out of the England side, and I feel he'll be disrespected or feel disrespected that a lot of the Spurs fan base have written him off because um, he's got quality. You know, okay, so none of that can be denied. All I want to ask you, though, is do you think that he has the... I feel like to put him in, we always there's always something we lose. So you made the point about midfielders and then there being a lack of goals. Him coming in brings that in, right? But then also there's always the argument that when he's not when he's not scoring, it's hard to see his contribution. Sometimes I see like 
his movement creates space for a lot of people, right? And he's actually quite tireless. He covers, he like he runs and pulls defenders out of position, all that kind of stuff. But in in games where perhaps other people aren't taking up those positions that he's making, does he then become a weight that we're carrying? Do you know what I mean? He has been. No, he has been. He has been in. Sorry to jump in, but he has been in his role. I think what we have to understand is his role has changed for. Um, such a long time, right? So when he came in from MK Dons, he came in as a, a, a midfielder, a CM. Then he moved more to a cam and literally evolved into a second striker, literally playing off of Kane or Kane was playing off of him. Um, that was his role. And for so long, that was his role. When we needed him more to be a cam or a number eight, he was still a second striker. And I think this is where he wasn't contributing when he was out of the games and we needed him in midfield to make up the man. I don't think we will see him in cam as much unless we're playing 4-2-3-1. I think we'll play more variations of 4-3-3. And I think in that, he will play in midfield. And I think he'll get on the ball more. He won't be as expansive in the passing as, say, an Ericsson would be in there or a Dombele. But I think he will keep it moving, keep it ticking over, pass and move, get himself into the box, be tenacious, win balls, and always be a goal for it. That's the type of role I see him playing in that three. I hope you're right, man. I'd be right. Yeah, I think he's got the the bit in his teeth. I think he's that type of character that likes to prove people wrong, as well. He he has got that. I think it's it, but I guess you also have to have that stamina of wanting to prove people wrong because it gets to a stage is like, do you still have that kind of passion? But yeah, I mean, I, who who? Let's move on to your your choice for player most in need of a big season. And this is a bit of a weird one to some uh, and it's also midfield and it's Lo Celso. and the reason I say it's Lo Celso is because he was bigged up a lot by the Spurs faithful last season we even bigged him up on the pod I know I certainly did and he was a bit of a revelation at times because he was on um, a lot of occasions in the dark days of last season um, one of the brightest sparks because he tried he was the best player on the field at the times and he carried the ball and almost carried Spurs for a period of time. That being said, he was brought in as a um, an attacking midfielder who could play cam or left or right, and he ended up playing DM, a bit like um, Moussa Dembele. Yep. Then he was a line breaker or press resistant, right? So that was what really caught the eye for Spurs. Obviously, um, capped with that run he did against Southampton that led to Son's goal, right? So he broke lines. And since Dembele, we didn't really have that. So I think this is what warmed the hearts of Spurs fans. That all being said, when you really break down his contributions, um, I know stats don't tell you everything. Um, he scored one goal in the top flight. So whether it be the Premier League or the Champions League, they're the top table. He scored one Champions League goal and I think that was against Red Star yeah. um, in a 4-0 victory. So I'm wiping that out for the time being. In 28 Premier League appearances, he didn't score a goal. Right? And he didn't get credited with a goal against Everton. That was an own goal. Right? Yeah. And the restart. 
He also only contributed two assists. And yeah, he was deep lying, but he's press resistant. So there were a lot of times he was in the final third. He only managed three shots on target in 28 games last season. Right? That's not enough. Two assists came later on, came both of the restart. One was against Sheffield United, no, Newcastle away to Son, if my memory serves correct. And one on the last game of the season against uh, Palace for Kane. And yes, he was involved in an Everton own goal. And yes, he's probably getting a few hockey assists along the way. However, here's the um, the crux of it. Your main man, most important man, Hoybier, is supposed to free him and Dombele up. Yeah. If he's freeing those two up and those two are the, the other players in that system, then one of those is going to have to contribute with five to ten goals from midfield. Right? And that's either got to be him and Dembele. Three shots on target in 28 games is not going to do it. His shots look weak, to be honest with you. And not only that, his passing hasn't been the greatest. His passing has been a bit woeful for somebody of his ability. Right? So in order for him to really solidify this position of attack, attacking midfield and for us not to not break the bank but go out and get someone like Van der Beek he needs to contribute more in goals and assists than he has done and yes he'll be playing a little bit more further forward so he should do but I still think he should have done more from DM because look at this Dombele didn't play that many games scored two goals right but that's still not enough Hoybier did he score a Premier League goal last season no he didn't so no, no, I don't think he did. I think he only had two shots on target last season. So that's not enough. So we really need Lacelso to really come to the fore, or else he's going to turn into this almost type of player, or could turn into almost type yeah, of player. Okay. I feel like if all of these players that we're talking about come in and they make the contribution that we hope they can. It could be like having Modric, Dembele, and Sandro in their peak and the midfield at the same time. Hopefully. Do you know how crazy that would be? It's the dream because there is something there in each of those players and that's why you're saying what you're saying. And we've seen it. And it's about getting that right balance. And this is why, yeah, Hoybier is so important if he can free an un- or free up Lo Celso to be that cam and unlock Dembele. That's going to be fire. And it's not like he's just a, I don't want to say just a Kante, but you kind of know what I mean. He's yeah, a bit more refined. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it would be, it'd be an amazing midfield with a bit more of a solid defence and a forward line, which is going to get goals anyway. So it could be very, very, very exciting next season. Um, I'm going to move on to the player that we expect to be, to have the, the biggest surprise, the biggest surprise next season. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think, yeah. Do you want to go first in this one? Uh, I'll let you go first, being the gentleman that I am. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, cool. Well, being the being the gentleman that I am, I'm going to accept your thinly veiled attack as an actual, you know, an olive branch. 
But what I will say is that I think that the person who I guess most most primed to surprise us is going to be Ndombele. And ironically, this may not feel like a surprise for part of the fan base. But I think for others who have written him off, I think we might get to a position where we actually see what he's capable of. I think that he knows now that the outlay is too big for him to just go away anywhere, right? Can I, can I jump, jump in? Sorry, yeah. I know you're in full flow. But would a surprise from Don Bele just be completing 90 minutes? Would that just be the surprise? That, just first, saying. First of Put all, it out there. First of all, that's, that's, unne- thinking. that's, that's unnecessary. Take a long, hard look at yourself. And ask yourself if you're happy. With those comments, those unhelpful comments. I'm happy with that comment. Because that's be, what the time of the fan base is going to be thinking. Listen, be better. Be better. <laughs> I will. I'll um, do better. But yeah, I mean, I think it's... Yeah, we would like him. Mean, he probably still won't finish 90 minutes, to be honest with you. But um, I think to get a level of production, which would mean that we can count on him and we can get that impetus, get on the front foot, dominate people up top, getting that out of him. I think we expect it to happen quite consistently, the way that our, our, kind of our defence is shaping up, the way our midfield is shaping up with Hoiberg. Like I think there is all the ingredients necessary for him to shine. And if he shines the way we hope he can, I think it will be a very, very pleasant surprise and a very impactful surprise, actually, for a lot of fans. Definitely impactful. It would, it would be amazing if he could play the way we think he can play and expect, well, know he can play and expect him to play. The one question I will have, and I've just thought about this, is we mentioned um, Matt Doherty, um, or Doherty and the fact that he could be Serge Aurier-esque. Now, we've touched on the fact that um, Don Belli hasn't played because of Serge Aurier in the past. Uh, what's the difference now with Dombele this season uh, or next season if um, Doherty's our first choice right back or wing back yeah, in that, a lopsided defence? That is, that is going to be a concern. But I think if that comes into it, then I think Hoiberg plays on the right side of a three, whereas Dombele plays on the left side where he can count on Ben Davis to be tucking in more. So, therefore, yeah. the defensive capabilities aren't solely his responsibility. Whereas like we, what Sissoko used sorry? to do. Sissoko, that's what yeah. he did. But he yeah. probably overdid it. He overdid it. And this way, we wouldn't have to do that. So, I think that's the difference. Okay. Okay. Well, I hope so. Because, as we said, Dombele and Lo in tandem with Hoybiesh could be a thing of beauty. It really could be. It really could be. So, uh, who have you got for most likely to surprise? I wanted Sirkin. I oh, just don't know. Yeah, I, I really like him. I sort of, I've seen him in the preseason. Obviously, he doesn't tell you everything, but I really like him. He seems really composed. He seems like a good player, but he's not the one I've gone for. Um, and I haven't gone for him because of the player we've mentioned, um, Doherty, because I think I don't see him being comfortable sitting in a free just yet as a centre-back, uh, as Davis seems to do. So I've gone with someone who I think has always had the raw ability um, to be a very impactful player in the Premier League, and that's Gedson. Um, he's got the attributes, the power, the pace, 
physicality to do something in this league. Uh, he's this is the last year of his loan, right? So I'm expecting him to really go for it and really surprise everybody. I think he's played right back or right kind of that advanced kind of right-sided player in the mould of Aurier in the preseason friendlies. And he's also played in the position I actually think he'll be best in, which is the DM role, because he's got that athleticism and that dynamism. But he doesn't have the discipline, though. Yeah, but discipline can be taught, right? Discipline can be taught. And I think when I say he will play there, I, I see him playing more minutes this season. I see him playing in that position if... Winks and Hoiberg are not available in certain competitions. But I see him probably, depends on what happens with Aurier, potentially could be cover on the right-hand side. So it's a long shot. I've not gone with an easy choice because I think there are a lot of players we kind of know what we're expecting from them. But we don't really know what we're going to get from Gedson. But I feel there's a player in there and I feel the Premier League suits him. And I also feel that if we don't see the best of Gedson next season... He's going to be one of those players we're probably going to end up trying to buy in five years' time for seventy million. Okay, so uh, before we before we kind of like um, wrap up, I want to ask you one question: Do you think Gedson, based on what you've seen so far and preseason, do you think he can turn into the type of player for who it would make sense for us to buy for fifty million? I'm not saying I'm. I, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm saying I think he will probably do more. Um, things next season than we've seen from him I don't think he will be the player we should be spending 50 million on come the end of the season just because I think 50 million will probably be served next season or next summer to get a more refined player who's ready to do what Mourinho would want him to do Um, however that being said I think we were supposed to pay Betis closer to 88 million for Lo Celso and we didn't we got him for, I think, the 15 million loan fee plus, I think it was 33 million or 35 million in the end. So that making that deal a lot cheaper. And if anyone can pull off a cheaper deal, it's Daniel Levy. It's your boy, Daniel. Danny can do it. Danny can. Danny can. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, I mean, that's a good roundup. Uh, some of your choices were. Wild. I don't think they go as far as saying wild, but... <laughs> you just don't like Dyer. Stop hating on Dyer. Except Dyer is the future. Your boy Toby will play alongside Dyer, but everything revolves around Dyer. I'm going to say his name until you You know what? You know what? Let's wrap it. Let, no. Dyer. Dyer. Not going to hear it. Not going to hear it anymore. Dyer, not going to hear it anymore. Dyer. 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 Anyway. Dyer. <laughs> um, moving on from that Dyer point. Um, I'm going to say... That was a good roundup. I think we've done some interesting business, which you've touched on. I think the the season coming around thick and fast has meant that despite the transfer window being open until October, we've moved faster um, and addressed particular needs. I mean, I've got my reservations on how they've been addressed. Like, I don't think we've signed a defensive right right back which is a concern for me but uh, it's good to see that we're doing business and doing it early making sensible um, and smart smart um, transfers so I think right now there's reason to be optimistic but like Tottenham you don't want to get too far ahead so we'll see we'll see but um, yeah that's uh, that's all from me and 
is all from me, and I'm just going to say one last thing. Dyer. Ridiculous. You're an embarrassment to the pod. Um, guys, thank you very much for listening. For wherever you're listening, we appreciate each and every one of you. Um, please give the gift to the pod to someone. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Do leave the five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts because we only give you five-star content. Um, you can follow us um, Shelf Pod on Twitter to see, uh, you know, hear the rants and uh, the insights and latest news, provocative questions, all that stuff, and also information on what's being dropped, what's going to be dropping on the pod. We'd love to hear from you guys. So if you have any questions or things you'd like us to discuss, please jump in our mentions. Let us know what you're thinking, and we'll do our best to get them on the pod. Um, so yeah, unless I've forgotten anything. Dyer. I think it's <laughs> goodbye from me and from um, from Dyer's greatest fan. Yeah, good night. And all my Dyer fans and all the Dyer lovers out there, good night. Right, guys, let's run the outro. Finish it.